I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with a basically managerial special, um, just discussing all of the managers that have already been sacked, which is already three, well, four, <laughs> I suppose, if you count uh, Javi Gracia, which we probably should. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the recent ones, and by we... I am joined uh, by Dave Hendrick. Of course, you all know from the transfer specials and season recaps that we do. Uh, of course, all of his lovely work over at AI and Anfield Index Pro as well. Dave, pleasure speaking with you as always. We have a lot to get to, though, in not too much time. So we'll jump straight in. We've already done a full show and a reaction show uh, to the Pochettino sacking. But obviously, uh, it is now the Jose Mourinho era. Three wins already. Uh, since he took over in all competitions. Two three twos in the Premier League. The defense still a little shaky. We still try to spurs it up at the end, but Josie's been dragging us to victories. Um, but kind of the format I'm wanting to go through is we'll talk about the manager that's been sacked, statistically why it happened, and if the decision was right or wrong. For Pochettino, the biggest issues everybody knew about them, contract issues, the Champions League loss, kind of ran out of developmental ideas for some of the players that were young, blossoming players that then blossomed, and it seemed like he had less of an idea less of an idea what to do with them then. At the time, he was sacked 14th in the table, 10th in shots on target, 11th in goals conceded, just the one clean sheet. That remains the case. Um, and went five Premier League matches without a win. Fun fact, Tottenham had fewer wins than draws or losses by the time that Pochettino was sacked. Um, as far as the decision went, it, it was absolutely right. I, like many others, wanted to give Pochettino more time just because of everything he'd done for the club. He'd been here five years. You know, He'd really ingrained his identity into the club, and, and we certainly loved him. But... You know, it just seemed like he didn't really want to work it out anymore, and Daniel Levy knew to pull the trigger fast, and it reminded me of the great Buddy Ryan quote, if you listen to the fans, you'll be sitting with them. Um, so Levy, instead of being like, no, the fans want to keep Poch, let's just ride it out and see what happens, pulled the trigger, got Jose Mourinho in, obviously has worked out pretty well thus far, although we do need to work on those defensive issues. Dave, first time I've talked to you since this happened, mm. what was your take on the whole potch out Mourinho in whirlwind that all took place in two days? I'll be honest, I was a little bit surprised that he did pull the trigger um, as quickly as he did. Kind of, you know, when it's not your own club, you don't pay as close attention. Um, so when I actually then took a bit of time to step back and look at it and look at the run of form, the lack of lack of away wins over this calendar year. Um, as you say, the lack of development of certain players, the massive drop-off from people like Deli Ali, who I, I think he's a very, very special footballer, and his form the last 18 months, maybe even a little bit longer, hasn't been anything close to what we should be expecting from him. 
Um, I think the goals from Harry Kane had masked a lot of the issues. And like you say, it had also become a stale dressing room. There was a lot of players there that wanted their way out. Eriksen wanted out. Alderweireld wanted out. Danny Rose wanted out. Vertonghen was rumoured to want to go. And for me, when there's four senior players and four important players all looking to go, there has to be a factor in the dressing room as well. So maybe it was just Pochettino's personality had just run its course with these players and he was no longer able to connect with them. There was obviously a lot of talk that when Spurs lost to Liverpool in the Champions League final, that if they'd won, he would have quit then and there. Um, when I heard that, I was like, well, that's a little bit strange. Like, I've never heard a manager say that before, unless he already had a job lined up. Like, you, know, you think of Mourinho in the past had, you know, won it with, with Porto, but had the Chelsea job lined up, won it with Inter, had the Real job lined up. Poch didn't look to have anything lined up. So that, that was a bit odd to me. And then just the talk as well that's come out since about how after that final he went off to Barcelona with his family and, and didn't travel back to London. And that seemed to me like he was kind of stepping away and almost making himself like a little bit isolated from, from the group that he'd built. So, you know, I, I think it was warranted. I think it's unusual to see a manager who's done so well get fired. The last one I can really think of is probably Rafa Benitez. At Liverpool, mm-hmm. someone who majority of the fans did love. Um, there was different circumstances, but Benitez's time at Liverpool had run its course as well. After the near miss in 08-09, where we almost won the title, the 09-10 season was a, a pretty much a mess. Um, the same with you guys, almost won the Champions League, and then this season was was starting to look like it could become a disaster. Um, and then, And then, what, eight, nine hours later... The news breaks that it's Jose. Yeah. Um, I thought it would be Allegri. That was my first initial reaction when I saw Poch was gone, that Allegri would be the man. But the more I think about it, the more I think Jose makes sense, the more I think this job makes sense for him. I think it's the first time he's walking into a job without enormous pressure and demand of immediate league title or Champions League success. I mean, I think if he... If he goes to Spurs, if he can win cups, keep you in the top four, challenge for the title, basically do everything Poch had done, but add those domestic cups, I think that's a success. If he wins you the league or the Champions League, that's obviously, I mean, that's probably statue worthy. So I think it's the ideal situation. I think the big problem for Jose the last couple of jobs has just been the pressure. And he obviously puts a lot of pressure on himself, but when he's getting it from all angles, and you're not allowed one bad result, as you as is the case. Well, for him at United, not so much for the current manager. He's allowed loads of bad results, but Jose wasn't allowed any bad results. Same at Spurs, or sorry, same at Chelsea, same at Real, same at Inter, same at Porto. He's just always had that manic pressure of success, 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 and that's been the last what 16, 17 years of his life. So although Spurs is a huge club and it's a massive job and you know, there is obviously expectation. There's not the same level of pressure. And I think he will benefit from that. And in turn, the club will benefit from that because they might just get the old Jose. And, and the old Jose is one of the best managers I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up old Jose because there were a lot of articles about how he needs to like revolutionize to catch up to Klopp and Guardiola. And I mentioned on the the full Tottenham special when this all happened that I did with the the lovely Stephen McGugan, um, that uh, what we don't what we need is like 
Porto Jose Mourinho. We don't need like mm. some like futuristic newfangled version. There was a quote that I read that I don't remember exactly off the top of my head, but it basically was talking about how the way he won with that Porto team is he got the best out of older players and got them to develop their games, you know, well past the age where you assume people are going to, you know, fit like a specific model or ID or anything like that. And that's honestly what Tottenham need now. Like I, like I alluded to, like Pochettino didn't know what to do once the youngsters that could be stars turned into stars. And Jose knows how to handle that. And so I think if he can do that, if he can get the best out of Toby, whether it be for the remainder of the season or there's already whispers that he's willing to stay, of course, Jose's interest in Alderweireld is well noted uh, from the past. We'll see. Still not optimistic. Uh, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. But I think Jose is the kind of manager that can get the most out of some of those older players. And then with a whole new backroom staff who are a lot more analytical, a lot more forward-looking, mm. I think the combination, yeah, like you're saying, it 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 on paper didn't make loads of sense. But the, like, the more you dig into it, and if he's come in with a different level of expectations personally than he's had going to the other clubs, and knowing that we probably have a different level of expectation of him than his previous clubs... I think it's just, we might just see this relaxed Jose Mourinho. I could just be buying in way too much, like a sucker, way too early. Um, but I totally agree that, that the pressure on both sides is way reduced than it is previous clubs. But, like, I mean, look at the situation now. You were 14th when the manager was changed. You're now fifth. Yep. You end this weekend in fifth. Um, had Poch been in fifth, he wouldn't have been fired. Um, it is that quick of a turnaround. This, this league, this season... It's so close. I mean, you guys are fifth on 20 points, and yet Everton, who've lost today, um, they're 17th on 14 points. There's only six points in that. You look at Wolves, and you know, five, six, seven weeks into the season, they were in the bottom three, looking absolutely hopeless, hadn't won a game. Now they're sixth. You know, you look at West Ham, they had a great start. They were in the mix for top four early going. Um, their win yesterday, a very surprising win, is the only thing that's lifted them from that 17th spot that Everton kind of have. Um, they were, you know, looking like potential relegation candidates. The, the table is, is it's so bunched up at the moment that a couple of results in the right way, that, that initial manager bounce that, you, that teams often get when they get someone new in, that can be the difference in a good season and a bad season this early. So I think it was the right decision. And I think as well, when you look at, like if I look at Spurs, if I was to pick three players at Spurs that I think will, you know, will be foundation pieces for what Mourinho wants to build, it's in the spine. It's it's Endembele, it's Ali, and it's Harry Kane. Yeah. If you look at, at what Mourinho's always done for strikers, he, he's done great things with the likes of, at uh, Derley, with Drogba, with um, Milito, at, at Inter, with Benzema. He's done great things with these players, with Diego Costa as well, of course. Kane should be just really excited about what's going to happen for him. Um, Endembele is what Mourinho has been searching for since Michael Essien. He is that all-encompassing midfield monster who can just take games over. Now, he's having a slow adjustment period to the Premier League, but it will happen. And that and guy you see is, glimpses every match. Yeah, exactly. There's there's 10 minutes. Like, it used to be there was like he'd do a little bit here and a little bit there. Now there's like 10-minute spells where he's just taking over games. 
and he's controlling things and he's really enforcing his will upon the opposition and that will happen more and more and more. Uh, I think finding the right partner for him is going to be key but the one player I think can really benefit from him is Deli Ali. If you look at Deco, you look at Frank Lampard, uh, Wesley Schneider, uh, Mesut Ozil, all number 10s, all very different types of number 10s, every one of them became world class under Jose Mourinho. Every single one of them became world class under him. Deli Ali has the talent, has the potential, has shown form that indicates world class. I think we're going to see over the next 18 months Deli Ali transcend to a new level that he hasn't shown before and become that world class player. And that's a massively exciting thing for Spurs. And then you've got other quality players there, you know, like, like Son, who, you, as you know, I absolutely adore. Lucas Moore is a very good player. Um, if he can find a way to get Lo Celso into the team with Endembele, with Ali in, in a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, then I think he's going to be a top player as well. Now, he is the one I have a big doubt over whether Jose will want him. So as big a get as he was in the summer, it's possible now that Spurs don't take up that option to buy if Jose de- deems him not the type that he wants. It is worth noting um, that it's an obligation to buy if we finish in a Oh, European it is an spot. obligation. Uh, if you finish in a European spot, yeah, yeah, we might see Jose throw some games at the end of the season if, <laughs> if it comes to it. But, you know, he, he'll find a way to work him in because he's a talented player as long as Lascelles is willing to buy in and, and put the work in. And then there's work needed at the back. You know that. I know that. There's changes needed. You probably need to buy one or two. I think you'll probably need to buy a goalkeeper as well because as good as Hugo is, he's not a Mourinho type of goalkeeper. He doesn't really mm-hmm. like smaller reflex-based goalkeepers. He likes more commanding presences. Um, so maybe that's something he'll look to do. But you've already got a really good squad. You know that. There's a great team there, a team that has consistently challenged for the top four and been in the top four for the last few years, a team that got to your, a European Cup final. So there's work to do, but not not nearly the amount that some people made it out to be. And there'll be money to spend as well. Like There'll be the obvious rumours, oh, he did, Jose told no money in January. Like if he's taken the job, he'll he'll know what the budget is over the coming three, four transfer windows. So Levy won't be dropping bombshells on him in any way, shape, or form, despite what the Daily Mail and others will try and tell you. But yeah, I, I think it's a great appointment. I've always been a fan of Mourinho. I, I think things went sour from um, after Real and, and then with Chelsea and United. But if you get Porto Mourinho or or Mourinho from Chelsea the first time, that guy who gets everybody to buy in and those lads will die for the club, he, he will only bring success. Yeah. And, and even even at the jobs that he apparently failed in, Chelsea and, and United where he got sacked, well, he won a league title at Chelsea and he won a Europa League and League Cup with United So and finished second. So, you know, even when he's not doing well, he's still doing well. Yeah, and just to wrap this up, and I mentioned this on, on an appearance I made on AI, funnily enough, um, that at the second stint at Chelsea and the Manchester United stint, obviously, like you mentioned, the two that are you know the biggest marks on his record, his win percentage of 58.55% is still higher than what Pochettino managed at Tottenham, 543 So Exactly. The guy just knows how to win, and that's all that matters. Yep, there you go. All right, uh, on to Arsenal now. Another managerial change in North London. Uh, Arsenal... Obviously, sacking Unai Emery after a series of disappointing results. It ended up being six matches without a league win. Uh, a lot of people 
thought from the start that Emery and Arsenal wouldn't be a fantastic fit. Uh, not sure when this is going to come out, but that will be discussed on uh, the regularly scheduled EPL Roundtable show this week as we have Dan on to discuss all things Arsenal. But um, it, it didn't seem a great fit from the start. Emery historically struggles with away matches. Arsenal, in of late, have struggled with away matches, and that seemed to be the biggest issue. And then you hire a manager that doesn't solve your biggest problem. I think more than anything, yes, Emery's leadership and very small percentage language skills, I think that's way blown out of proportion. I think the biggest issue here was squad construction, both on the pitch and off of the pitch, where on the pitch, uh, Jim had a great quote uh, on an appearance he made on our show a couple weeks ago, which was, Arsenal squad is so top-heavy it might fall over, um, which is true. I mean, the defense has just been so poor for pretty much the entirety of Emery's uh, era and you know not to blame him too much it, it also wasn't great under Wenger in kind of the final mm. stretch there either but this this squad is not well constructed on the pitch you see matches like today when Arsenal were playing Norwich and you had Aubameyang playing on the touchline for a good 10-15 minutes like that's your best striker that's arguably in form the best striker in the Premier League and you're playing him as a winger and I realized today was not Emery in charge that was obviously Leungberg <laughs> but um yeah it's it's just the squad isn't you can't get your best 11 players on if you're Arsenal right now. There are just aren't enough spots. No, well, cer- certainly not in the way that they're construing things. But, I mean, look, if you've got Aubameyang and Lacazette as your strikers and you've got David Luiz, um, Mustafi, Socrates, Rob Holding and Callum Chambers as your centre-backs and you have 70 million to spend, it's not really a hard choice as to which end of the field you spend that money. Uh, You don't need another attacker. You need centre-backs. You also need midfielders. I mean, their best midfielder is Lucas Torreira, who currently isn't a starter. For some reason. Today, they're playing Guendouzi, who's average at best, and Granit Xhaka, who's well below average and, and, and really and truly should never play for the club again after his behaviour a few weeks ago. Um, it says quite a lot that he's back in the team. It is quite a as big two fingers. As soon as Emery's out the door, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a big two fingers to the fans as well, though. His his behaviour was a disgrace, and he hasn't apologised for it properly yet. So, um, to me, like, looking at that Arsenal team, like, I'm not a big fan of Leno, but he's passable for the, for another year. Uh, Bellerin is, is mediocre defense. Well, he's actually below average defensively. He, he's very, very quick, and he's half-decent on the ball, so you could get by with him for another year. Kieran Tierney's going to be an excellent left-back, but they need centre-backs. Saliba, the kid they bought from, from France, he's a couple of years away from being a starter at Premier League level. Um, Liverpool and Spurs both looked at him, and he was only to be a squad player for either. For Arsenal, he's going to have to come in and be a starter. They need to buy centre-backs. The midfield should be built around Torreira and go and find one or two more to go with him. And just with the way their attack is made up, they really have to play 4-3-3. They really have to just to commit to going with Pepe on the right, Lacazette through the middle and Aubameyang off the left. Put them in nice and close as inside forwards, the same way Liverpool play. Put Torreira in one of the midfield roles, go and buy two others and buy two centre-backs. So they need without even touching the goalkeeper and right back who both need upgrading, they need four starters just to get themselves back on track. And that's a lot, and that's going to be expensive. Um, they haven't really shown any 
kind of nous in terms of their scouting or their ability in the transfer market as yet, despite all the talk about the guys that they brought in from from Barcelona and then, you know, uh, Mislintat they brought in from Dortmund to much hoopla and then he was binned off because he didn't get on with anybody. Um, they need a lot and it's a lot to ask of a manager to come in, like, you know, come in and sort out this mess. Oh, oh and by the way, you still need to buy these four starters. Whereas you look at like Spurs, one or two starters will really put you on the right course mm. to success. With Arsenal, I think ideally they need six starters, but like I say, the, the right back and the keeper you'll get away with. Um, it's it's a lot of work needed. And <clears throat> does, does a number of names been thrown around? Again, I think Allegri has got to be the, the top candidate. There's obviously Pochettino rumours. They're all a nonsense. There's not a chance he'll go and manage them. There's more chance he goes and manages a local McDonald's <laughs> than he'll manage Arsenal. Um, but, I mean, does, would Allegri want to go there? Haven't seen the chaos? Haven't Allegedly, interviewed... he's already rejected them. Well, you know, and there you go. And that's that does show where Arsenal stand. And it's... For me, it's their own doing. This is all their own doing. Um, they held on to Wenger too long. And they made the wrong appointment. I mean, the other name going around is Mikel Arteta. Maybe he'll be a very good manager, but he hasn't managed at the, at the top level. He hasn't managed at any level. Um, and just because he's sitting next to Pep Guardiola on the bench doesn't really mean he's the next coming of Pep Guardiola, regardless of what Arsenal fans might want to delude themselves into thinking. I, I don't know who the option is then. Um, they missed out by holding on to Emery in the summer. They missed out on Marco Rose. They missed out on Julian Nagelsmann. Um, a couple of years ago, they missed out on Guardiola, and they missed out on Klopp, and they missed out on Conte. Now they've missed out on Mourinho as well. And I don't know, it, it's hard to see. It really is hard to see who they go for and, and who can come in and turn things around. Arsenal might very well be looking at a couple of years of of being quite bad the way United have been. Yeah, just to slightly adhere to format, where they were when Emery was sacked, ninth in the table, seventh in shots on target, which isn't terrible, but you have two really good strikers, so lack of a surprise there. 13th in goals conceded, and like I said, six matches without the league win. Uh, based on everything you were saying, I'm assuming you, like I, believe that this was the right decision for Arsenal at this point? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um I mean, they're Arsenal, and they're they've got a minus one goal differential after fourteen games. Yeah. Like that's not acceptable for a top club. I mean, regardless of you know all the tribalism and all that nonsense, Arsenal are one of the great clubs. Um, to be completely fair to everybody, the three biggest clubs in England traditionally are Liverpool, Manchester United, and Arsenal, and then Spurs come into the group behind them. That's that is just how it has been through success, through fan base, through global appeal, whatever you want to judge it by. That's how it's been. But Arsenal really have fallen behind. I mean they've fallen behind you guys. They've fallen behind Chelsea. They've fallen behind City. And unless they rectify it, that's only going to continue to have, be the case. They they have a lot lot of work to do and um it's it's hard to know who the right choice is to go there. There's there's been some rumours that they might want Brendan Rodgers and maybe they'll hold off till the summer. Mm. Um, also, some weird get... Nuno Espirito Santo rumours as well. 
Yeah, I mean, that's one that... I mean, he's a guy who, who has worked well with crap centre-backs <laughs> at Wolves. I mean, you know, all, all the centre-backs at Wolves bar Den Donker, who's a midfielder, and Vallejo, who they don't own. They're all awful. Like, Connor Cody's poor. Um, Bennett is, is oh, dreadful. Bolly is dreadful. And yet he's, he gets results because of how he sets the team up. So maybe he could go there and do a job and, and turn things around. But would he want to? It, it, you know, he's he's got his Portuguese people around him at, at Wolves. He's got a good relationship with Jorge Mendes. They're in the same European the competition. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. Like, it's uh, as bad as it might sound. It's not, they're, also, they're also sixth and Arsenal are eighth. So it's not really a step up. It, of course, it, I mean, it is a bigger job, but I, I don't know. I think someone like Brent, if they're, if they're willing to wait till summer, I think Brendan Rodgers will jump ship on Leicester and take the Arsenal job in a heartbeat. Um, but then they have to be willing to wait till summer. And I didn't see anything today to, to make me believe that Freddie Lundberg is, is in any way capable of, of getting them to the summer without, you know, flirting with the bottom three. Yeah, I'd certainly agree. And the end for Emery was just ugly. When I mentioned that squad construction was one of the biggest issues at Arsenal, when I mentioned it, it wasn't just on the pitch, it was off the pitch as well. They somehow compiled a group of human beings that felt comfortable openly mocking their manager in front of him because of his accent. Mm. Like, that just has to be a part of what you do when you're scouting. Like, it, it really shouldn't matter how your manager is performing for there to be that level of disrespect. And then, to hear that it was even, like, the youth players doing it as well. Like, yeah, really? Like, this guy won the Europa League loads of time, something you failed to do last year. Uh, you know, maybe you should show a little bit of respect. Um, yeah, so just a modicum of respect. But, I mean, on the flip side, uh, he should have shown a, a bigger set of cojones and he should have yes. ban- banished the players. who Because he had to know it was taking place. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, and then, of course, you know, on the pitch, it, it genuinely, over his entire tenure, never felt like Emery found out what his best 11 was. Um, you can also put that down to squad construction. I don't actually know what his role was in terms of recruitment. Um, but even if, you know, but what's the famous analogy? that You, you still got to cook the ingredients, even if you don't get to pick them. And uh, it just seems like he wasn't able to really uh, take advantage of, of the pieces mm-hmm. that he had in the time that he had. And but, I mean, said, the Mesut Ozil situation yeah. kind of sums it all up. I mean, yeah. they were so terrified of him leaving on a free that they gave him a ridiculous contract that's now a complete albatross. He wasn't in the manager's plans, yet the manager was forced to play him. Um, and there's no way to get rid of him. Like, the next manager who comes in... If they don't like Mesut Ozil, they're still going to have to play him because he's going to be there and there'll be pressure from the fans to play him while he's there unless results are going really, really well. So, I don't know. I, I think overall, from top to bottom, Arsenal is just a club in in turmoil. It's not just them, it's United as well. Um, both of those clubs... It, this is the problem when you have one manager who's all-encompassing, who has... Um, you know, complete autonomy over the entire club, top to bottom. When they go, the power vacuum that's left is massive. And of course, Wenger left, and then Gazidis left, Ferguson left, and Gill left. 
all of a sudden there's nobody at the club who's ever made a footballing decision before. It's been the same at both clubs. It's no surprise both clubs are in the same shit they're in. Oh, I shouldn't curse. Sorry. <laughs> You're right. Uh, we'll get to United here in a second. But first, we'll make a detour to Watford, who are the other club to have sacked a manager again. Fastest any two managers have been sacked by the same club in the same season is something that Watford have achieved this year. Uh, very little else, though, of course, with just one win thus far, um, which is pretty awful. Literally the worst attack in the league, the third worst defense in the league. In terms of their biggest issues, I mean, the defense is obviously a place to start. Also, they play very individually. Um, you don't get a lot of identity from them, either under manager, to be fair, although Gracia seemed to have at least better of an idea uh, in his reign, despite how it ended. Um, and frankly, for Kike Sanchez-Flores, the biggest issue for him is that he just shouldn't have returned. He shouldn't have been brought back. And so... You know, is it on the club for asking him? Is it on him for taking it back? Who knows? But it just always seemed doom, and then it certainly was. Seven out of 30 points is what they managed mm. under Kike Sanchez-Flores. Although, they did get their only win of the season under him, so silver linings and all that. They picked that up against Norwich. Um, on the whole, for me, the decision, I think it's right. Um, probably never should have been made in the first place to bring him in, but I guess it's good that they've undone that mistake, even though that brings that weird record with them of, of having sacked two managers faster than anyone else. Uh, the fans all seem to be delighted that he's gone. They, they clearly don't have enough in defense. In the summer, we were like, well, at least they bought Craig Dawson because they just hadn't addressed center back for years. We, um, we've done our transfer po- podcast, Kev, for, what, three years yeah. now? Yep. And every time we've said, why didn't Watford buy a center back? Yep. And then this year, um, was like, well, at least they got one. But Yeah, you know, and the fact that he's not very good anymore... Is, is neither here nor there. It was just the fact he was a warm body. But, I mean, the defense is a mass, massive issue. Um, I think they have a good midfield unit. The The unfortunate thing is, you know, all of those players are there largely because it didn't work for them at bigger clubs. So, with, with Kapue, he was obviously with you guys, had injuries, and it just didn't work for him. Um, Decore is there because other clubs wouldn't take a chance on him because he was a little bit raw. And he's been kind of hankering for a move for about 18 months now. Um, Will Hughes is there because his knee went when he was at Derby and he, the, the top clubs just kind of lost interest in him. There was a, a younger group coming through below him that caught the eye and he didn't get the move that he would have expected. Uh, Chalaba is there because he got forced out at at Chelsea, and I mean, they're Delefeu, all good players. Delafeu, of course, Barcelona, and not just Barcelona, Everton as well. Yeah, um, didn't perform at Everton, so that, I mean, these are all good players. It just it it hasn't really worked for any of them anywhere else. There was a time under under Gracia that it was working really well. Even like Silver for a time had things working um, before all the stuff with Everton started, and then the form went to, went to bits. But I mean. They've just they've chopped and changed so much, and Kike Sanchez Flores was was always going to be a disaster. I mean, he's not the type of manager that can come in mid season and change things. It's just not how he's built. It's not how he works. He was a poor appointment. But, I mean, the fact that Ismail Assar spent most of Flores' time sitting on the bench um, would make you question things as well. So, I think there's enough talent there at the club for them to get themselves out of the bottom three. But the managerial appointment is so important now. And who they go for, I don't know. Traditionally, they've gone for foreign coaches. 
but maybe they need to look at a British coach. Um, no, I'm not. Whispers around way. Hewton. That's that's exactly who I was going to suggest. Not not wasn't in any way advocating for you know a relegation specialist, quote unquote, like Big Sam or Neil Warnock or somebody terrible like that. Chris Hewton would make a lot of sense to go in there, impose a style of play that's effective, that makes you very hard to beat. You know, it's not like they're adrift. They're only six points off Everton. They're, you know, they're the same distance from Everton as you guys are, and you're in fifth. <laughs> um, that'll tell you how weird the league is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chris Hewton would make a lot of sense, uh, but, but they have to stick with him. If they go down, they have to stick with him. They have to allow him to put his work in and bring them back up because he will bring them back up if given the opportunity. It's what he does. He gets teams into the Premier League. Um, and I think he could be the man to keep them in the Premier League. Just remember, Watford, say no to Alan Pardew. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> yes, you don't want any partiolas or allergicios or whatever. No. <laughs> Sam's latest quote was about how he should have always gotten more opportunities, but he didn't because of his last name. Curse that last name, says Big Sam. Um, <laughs> I totally agree with you. And I, while the defense is talentless, the fact that a front three was either never used or never succeeded with Delefeu, Saar, and Gray is just an embarrassment. That is not the worst attack in the league. Um, but it is, <laughs> statistically. Uh, but talent-wise, obviously, they should not have been down there. Now, circling back to Manchester United, as promised, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has not had the tenure many would have hoped when he was signed as the permanent manager after the comeback win against PSG in the Champions League. Um, but I, you mentioned that when you're not a fan of a club, you know you, you develop opinions that maybe aren't as uh, informed as if you like actually dive into the numbers and stuff like that. Mm. And the more I looked, the more I don't really hate so, what Solskjaer has done this year. Yes, it's not great. Everybody knows that compared to United's glorious past. Clearly not good enough. But right now, he has injuries all over the place, especially in midfield. I mean, Fred and Pereira are the two starting midfielders. Neither of them could get a game last year. Um, so when you're rolling with that, you have new players at the back um, in Wambasaka and Maguire, obviously. Highly paid, but also new. You're starting somebody that was playing in the championship last year every single week on the wing um, with Martial and Rashford as your only real striking options. It's it's not like this is one of 
Fergie's famed Manchester United size that Solskjaer is letting down. This is not a particularly great 11. De Gea continues to struggle. Like, yes, he probably isn't good enough for that job. But compared to some of the decisions that have been taken previously, I'm not as out on Solskjaer as perhaps some others were. Obviously, the result today, another notch. Could he go soon? Obviously. Um, 11th at the table doesn't speak very well, but they're 7th in attack, 4th in defense. That's not horrible, obviously, by any stretch. Um, and they've won two of the last five, which is way more than anybody else on this list that we're going to talk about today. So, yes, I totally get that Solskjaer is not experienced enough, probably not good enough for a club like Manchester United. But at this stage, given what's out there, which is not much, as Arsenal are finding out very quickly, I'm honestly starting to lean maybe they should just stick with Solskjaer till the end of the year and see what's out there. I suppose it just depends on on what they want. I mean, if if they want to put in place a long-term plan and rebuild with youth and, and all these things, then yeah, absolutely. You stick with Ole. Um, you know, there's a back four that played today of Juan Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire and Williams. That is four individually, you know, good players. Um, and, and over time, maybe could develop into something. You also have Luke Shaw to factor in as a left back option when he when he's hundred percent fit. Like you say, De Gea is struggling, but we know he is one of the best goalkeepers in the world at his best. The midfield is a massive issue. Um, the best midfielder they have is injured, and he but he doesn't want to be there anyway. Um, the most consistent midfielder they have there is McTominay, who isn't good enough to start for a team with real ambition of. You know, titles, Champions Leagues, even I don't think top four. Fred just hasn't brought his talent from Ukraine. I think he must have left that in storage when he moved. Um, and, you know, Pereira is one of these players that we've heard about for years about this great young player and he's going to be fantastic. And all of a sudden he was 24 or whatever age he was and had never really played. So they need, they need a new midfield. I think. Rashford is talented, but nowhere near as good as people try to make out. Martial is all talent, and he hasn't developed while at United. He's still... No consistency. Yeah, and he still makes the same silly decisions that he made when he first joined. Um, you know, that, that vaunted swap a couple of years ago of Ericsson for, for Martial, uh, I, I think would have suited both teams. Agreed. Um, I think he would have become a much better player at Spurs. But it, it didn't happen, so he, he is where he is. Like They didn't buy Daniel James to start him every game. He was brought in to be an addition to the squad, but he's been forced into this situation. And After a very hot start, he, he's you know he's having a bit of a tough time at the moment. There's, there's the bones of something there. There definitely is the bones of something there. Um, but there's an awful lot of work needed. I mean, you need at least, I would say, at least two starting quality attackers and three starting quality midfielders because I think Paul Pogba has to be sold. <clears throat> I just don't think it benefits anybody to keep him any longer. You're going to end up with a De Gea situation. De Gea is now what he is because they didn't sell him when he was worth the hundred million or whatever it was they were getting offered a couple of years ago. Um, they forced him to stay. They broke their fax machine and whatever else happened. And now he's just there with a massive contract, living the cushy life. It's a Wayne Rooney situation all over again where he's overpaid and underperforming and there's no way to get rid of him now like because none of the top teams really have a need for a goalkeeper bar spurs you guys aren't going to buy him 
Um, Arsenal, they're not going to buy them. We don't need one. Chelsea don't need one. City don't need one. Real Barca don't need them. Bayern doesn't need one. You know, Juventus maybe, maybe. Chesney's developed pretty well. He has, and and he's. I'd imagine he's he's an awful lot cheaper than David de Gea. So, you know, I, I don't know where it is that he would go. Um, I think United have a big decision to make, though. If they stick with Ollie, I think it has to be till the end of the season, and then you reevaluate. But then, do you miss out on the possibility again? This is the name. Do you miss out on the possibility of appointing Allegri? You know, Bayern Munich are, are in the market for a manager. Arsenal are now in the manager for, in, the, in the market for a manager. It, it'll only take a game or two, and Real Madrid will be in the market for a manager. Um, it's a tough situation. It's a tough decision to make, um, and I'm glad it's not my club at the moment. But um, I don't know. I think I think Ollie's just out of his depth. I think he's doing some good things, but I mean, you watch them play and. They look aimless going forward unless they get a penalty. They look fairly, fairly unlikely to score. I know they got two today against, you know, against Villa who are what fifteenth. So we won't. They were four. I think they were sixteen starting the day. So we won't buy too much into those two goals. But I mean, they've conceded two at the other end, which you know, one hundred and thirty million on defenders in the summer and. You're, you're still conceding that many goals. Uh, for me, changes are needed from top to bottom. It's not just Ollie. He's not the problem. The problems are above him and below him. Um, and you need to fix those two things before you really fix him. Because otherwise, I mean, you could put anybody in there. We've seen it. Look, David Moyes was a good manager at Everton. He might not have won anything. He might not have been good enough for United. But he was he was a good manager for Everton. He went to United and he looked completely lost. Louis van Gaal is one of the best managers there's ever been. Went to United, didn't go well. Jose Mourinho is one of the best managers there's ever been. Went to United, it didn't go well. Um, there's problems there that aren't just the manager. And a lot of them are in the dressing room um, and obviously in the boardroom. So they need to address these things before they can really say, OK, we're, we're in a situation now where we can turn things around. As with Arsenal, very poor squad construction. Yeah, it, things aren't going well. And that's why I'm like, is a different manager going to come in and make this United team a top four side? I don't particularly think so. So yes, Allegri's on the market right now, but I'd say just write it out till the summer and then see who you can get in then. Maybe a Nagelsmann if he would be interested. Um, all right, we'll move on to Everton next. So my notes on this aren't going to be super great because I was writing it when they were up 1-0. They ended up losing 2-1 at the death to Leicester, who just continued their incredible run, which, you know, lots of different fan bases getting flashbacks about that and not loving it. But uh, Marco Silva, he needed to go before today. After yet mm. another loss, he even more needs to go. You know, with each of these situations, the first line that I wrote was biggest issues. And with Silva, I put... Injuries somewhat, no one to blame but himself. <laughs> like, the midfield, yes, has had injuries. The shock injury to uh, Andre Gomez, I get. Um, Bauman has had his own uh, health issues in midfield as well. But this team is as talented as an ever-team team of late. Like, th- this is a team that mm. is far, far better than where it is. Uh, individually and hilariously, like I mentioned with Watford, kind of lacking identity. So does Everton, 
And Marco Silva's been at both of those clubs, not to cast too many umbrella-y aspersions. Um, but it's just individuals all the time. Like Richarlison will have a great match, and then Sigurdsson will have a great match. Um, and it just doesn't seem like they can get everybody to perform at the same time. And I think a better manager could get that out of them. I, I've always liked the style that Marco Silva intended to play. But like everyone else, also, you can also question the results everywhere he went. He looked mm. really good at Hull, and they got relegated. He looked really good at Watford, and then they were in relegation form when he was let go. He went to Everton, and he started well, and now they're in relegation form just above the relegation zone. I mean, there's a trend here, guys. Uh, and I just kind of want people to start to uh, kind of turn around on that. Only Watford have scored fewer goals than Everton this season. Five points above relegation zone if they had won, but then they didn't. So now two points above the relegation zone. Clearly, my decision is to sack him. Squad full of talent. He just can't get the most of them out of, uh, at the moment. There is no great striker there. It is concerning that Moise Keane hasn't beaten out dominant Calvert-Lewin, or even sometimes it's Tosin that comes off the bench. That's a little weird. But he is still young, adapting to England and all that, so maybe you give him an asterisk on that. There are injuries in midfield. But get a new manager in right now. Start scouting. Get a striker and a defensive midfielder and see where you go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with you. I think the, bone, the, the, the makings of a very good team are there. Um... I like Sadibi and Dinya's fullbacks. They're both obviously better going forward than they are defensively, but they're both international players who've played at a high level. Um, I, I think Yerry Mina has the potential to be a defensive foundational piece. I, I'm not sure they have the right partner for him. I think, I think this is the issue with Everton. This Everton squad was built by multiple different managers. Like, it was built by... And directors of some football. of the yeah. some of the players are still there from Moyes. Then you've got Roberto Martinez, Kuman, Allardyce, and now Silva. Have, have I missed any? But that's it, isn't it? And obviously, two direct, two different directors of football with differing ideas. And we we focused on this a few years ago when they brought in Gilfie Sigurdsson, um, Davy Klassen, and Nikola Vlasic. And Wayne Rooney, all in one yeah. summer. Four guys who predominantly play as number 10s. They've moved on, three of them. However, in my view, they kept the wrong one. I like Gilfie. I think he's a good player. But Nikola Vlasic was the one to keep. He was far younger and cheaper. Yeah, exactly. And he fit with the timeline of building a quality young team around the likes of Tom Davies in midfield and Richarlison, who they bring in up front. This summer just gone, they sold Henry Onyekoro. They sold um, Adamola Luckman. I mean, these are two really good players. And yet, they keep hold of Theo Walcott and Sang Tucson. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Commit to this youth movement and build. If you're going to bring in Richarlison, you're going to bring in Moise Keane. Commit to this. And look, it might take you a couple of years to get there. But the potential for that group is sky high. The potential for the group with Calvert-Lewin, Tucson, um, Theo Walcott is very, very limited. Very limited. So, for me, I agree. Silva has to go. It is time. Um, Four wins out of 14, eight defeats. Um, Two points above relegation. Next up, Liverpool away. Um, Only going to get worse for you, lads. Um, For me, he has to go. Now, 
again, it's it's a matter of where do they go next. I think the best option might be Wilder from Sheffield United. Whether mm. he would leave or not, I don't know. I don't get the sense he would, but you know, we've no, been neither before. do I. Um, we've seen Villa just lock their manager into a new contract recently. Brighton have just locked their manager into a new. These are the type of guys I think that Everton would have been looking at, and maybe it is with with jobs like Everton and, and uh, you know potentially Southampton, Newcastle, and West Ham to come up as we talk about. Um, maybe th- those clubs are looking at it going, oh God, we don't want to lose our manager. Like our manager is doing great here. We we want to make sure we keep them. So they're locking them into contracts and. You know, like, do they go back to Sean Dyche, who they've been looking at before? For me, that would be a move in the wrong direction. I, I, not to say he's not a good manager. I think he is. But just stylistically, I don't think he fits. But I think whoever they go with, I think they have to make a conscientious decision to put in place an actual plan, an actual identity. Because I look at Everton play, and you can watch them in three successive weeks, and they look like three successive, three different teams, um, depending on the individuals in the team, depending on how he sets the team up. They don't really have an Everton way of playing. Um, I, you know, like you look in the summer, they brought in Embamen, who's a really, really talented young defensive midfielder. <clears throat> they also bring in Fabian Delph, who's old and not very good anymore. Which way are you going? Are you going for experience? Are you looking to consolidate? Or are you looking to develop and grow and build as a club? Morgan Schneidlin barely played football for, what, a year? Now he's back in playing most weeks. I don't understand why Moise Keane is not getting in the team. I understand maybe his attitude's not the best. I understand that maybe he doesn't put in the effort and training that you require. Didn't you know that? But Isn't that why he's that, at Everton? That's why he's at Everton. And you've scored 14 goals all season. You need someone. I don't care if he doesn't turn up for training on a Monday. If he scores you goals, get him in your team. You've scored 14 goals all season. I won a game. Won a game. Like, it's mind-blowing. You've got a £50 million Richarlison. Um, what did they spend on a Wobie? 35? Yeah, 35 or 40. Toussaint to cost 25-ish. Walcott cost 20. Sigurdsson was 40. One goal a game. Yeah. It has to change. Everton has to change. And like I say, you have three exceptional young footballers in Onyekoro, Adamola Luckman, and Nikola Vlasic that you bought for a song. You got the three of them on the cheap. And you've sold them all. For no reason other than the fact that you, your manager decided he'd rather play Theo Walcott. We must be in year 14 of the Theo Walcott experiment. <laughs> and he's never become anything more than a fellow who runs really fast in straight lines. But you have to remember that one year when he was allegedly better than Bale. Well, this is it. When he decided he was going to become a striker and he told everybody he was going to become a striker and then Arsene Wenger said, no, son, go out and stand on the right wing and run in straight lines. Yeah, um, like, they, they have to change. They do. They have to change. And it has to come soon because, look, it would only take Southampton and Norwich to win a couple more games back to back and all of a sudden Everton are sitting in the bottom three. And if they're sitting there by the turn of the year, be hard to get out of it yeah so a logistical question for you with the Everton manager you mentioned the Merseyside Derby up next would you sack 
him now after that loss again today than go with an interim next week and bring somebody in the following week? Because you probably don't want to start with that for your new manager. Um. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we sacked Rogers, we, we, the decision was made before the derby, but he was allowed to take the team for the derby and was then relieved of his duties afterwards. Um, so maybe you do that. But, I mean, given where they are and, and just given the fact that Liverpool are running away with the title at the moment and, and everything points to a, a trouncing Maybe the best thing is to just bin him off, put an interim in for this game and hope that it just motivates the players to come together and there's a bit of a siege mentality built up over a day or two. And I don't know who that interim would be. I mean, I, I don't know. Is David Unsworth still at the club? Um, what's he doing with himself? He, he did okay the last time. Um, it's It's hard to know. But for me... I think I just get rid now. I think we've seen enough. Like, as things stand, they're going to get absolutely battered in mid in mid in midweek, and there's nothing Silva can do to change that. But just maybe the change can can alter circumstances for them. Yeah, we'll see, and it'll also be interesting to see, as you say, who shows up when that happens. You also mentioned that you could watch them three different weeks and see three different teams. Same thing with West Ham, who we're going to talk about next under Manuel Pellegrini. Uh, both of us gave them a very, very good grade uh, in the summer. I think we both gave them A's or A pluses, uh, being able to snag both Haller and Four Nalls, um, who haven't quite found their footing yet. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the bigger issues at West Ham. Um, lack of impetus at times as well. Like It doesn't seem like they can motivate themselves just they're either playing well or they're not and then that just happens um although i do have to say it's particularly in the tottenham match that michael antonio brought that fire when he came onto the pitch um, but i feel like it's lacking in a lot of the rest of the squad <laughs> and you really really have to talk about the injury to uh lukas fabianski since fabianski's injury they have the second worst defense in the premier league before that they were easily top 10 so <laughs> that has been a a big big detriment um, Roberto was awful. Obviously, uh, they got the clean sheet yesterday with someone else in goal. Forget his name. Sorry. Um, but uh, I think that's a big, big part of their issues. Yes, they're inconsistent, but they just can't operate without a good shot-stopping shot goalkeeper in net. Um, currently 13th in the table. Uh, for me, I think this is a pretty easy decision. I think you stick with him. They'll be safe with Pellegrini. They'll be fine. I don't know if they were dreaming of a European spot. Obviously, with the addition of Hilaire and Fornals, we both thought maybe that was an option for them. The the cars just haven't fallen their way. And I don't think, you know, there's <laughs> hilarious to say 1st of December, literally. But I don't know if there's enough time for them to get back up into that, like, competing for European spot. So I think just stick with what you have now. You're going to be safe. You have a lot of really talented players. Fornals and Hilaire will find their form. Felipe and Yarbalenko haven't been at their best. They'll find it. Um, and then eventually you'll get Fabianski back and you'll stop conceding multiple goals literally every match. Uh, although, <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> obviously the uh, the outlier there. So for me, pretty easy with West Ham. Yes, they're going to suffer some weird losses because they just won't show up. But I think they should stick with Pellegrini for now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's just struggling to find um, his best 11. I, I think they still have like a lot of he doesn't of work know who to, to trust. Yeah, I mean, I think I do think that's a bit of a bit of the case. I, I think you look at the defense, and apart from Diop, they're all 
Midland at best. You, you could replace any of them very easily, bar him. He, he's, I think he could be very good in, in the right circumstance. Um, I think I do think they need a better goalkeeper long term than Fabianski, and they certainly need you know better backups than what they currently have. If they bought a better goalkeeper, Fabianski could be the backup, and that would be. Sorry. Much better than what, yeah, much better than what we're watching at the moment. Balbuena's not very good. The right back's not good. The left back's not good. The, you know, the Cresswell um, and Masaka—they're good going forward, but they don't—they don't defend very well. Um, I like Declan Rice. I, I think he could be exceptionally good um, as a holding midfielder. But I think when you look at in front of him, um, I know Mark Noble's been a great servant. And I know he always puts in, you know, a hundred percent effort in that. But I, I just think when you watch him play, his his best days are, are long gone. And I think they do need to start moving on for him from him. And I also think he limits how they play going forward because he's not nearly as good technically on the ball as as a lot of their other players. Um, I think. You know they need to turn this team over to the likes of Pablo Fernals and Felipe Anderson and, and really let those two guys loose. Um, I think that'll bring the most from Seb Haller. It'll bring more from Yarmolenko. The talent is definitely there for them to be very good going forward. I think 17 goals is a very poor return for what they have in attack. 23 goals conceded is not really a surprise given they only have Diop and a, you know, a collection of throwaways. There's work there to be done, and, and you know, I'm not sure Pellegrini's the man to do it. I, I, I don't think he's in, in danger of getting fired right now, but I think that this is probably his last season in that job one way or another. I think they need to get someone younger in who can do do a bit more of what's there and also you know develop younger players better. Pellegrini's not one who you'd ever really tag as someone to develop young players. I think there's other managers out there who could come in and, and make more of, of what's already there and then add the right the right pieces to the puzzle. But I, I will say I was surprised at how badly they dropped off after their good, their good uh, summer and their good start to the season. But I, I think all in all, you know, again, I mean, they're four points off fifth, so it... You know, it's not a it's not a complete shambles, even though they're only four points off the bottom four. Oh, sorry, the bottom three. Um, yeah, stick stick with the man for now, but have your eyes open for you know who you want come summer, because you're going to have to move fast in the summer. Because I, I think we're going to be looking at a, a summer of of massive change, Kev. Yeah, totally agree. It feels like there's a lot on the horizon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think five or six clubs in the Premier League will look to change managers for, for differing reasons. Yeah, agreed. Um, next on to Newcastle and Steve Bruce. Uh, I recognize why he'd be on here. Obviously, the way the whole Rafa Benitez thing happened, Steve Bruce just seemed like the guy that raised his hand the fastest uh, to get that job at Newcastle. Um, but I actually think he's probably pretty comfy in a seat where he is right now. At Newcastle, the biggest issues for Newcastle, I think, are his own limitations uh, as a manager. Ownership, obviously, not great, and he's had issues uh, with injuries with Lascelles, their best defender, and Richie, who was last year their best creator, both missing extended stretches. So, the fact that they are where they are in uh, 14th 
really not that bad for me. I mean, under Steve Bruce, the question was, were they going to be relegation fodder or not? They don't seem to be. They picked up some nice results. Obviously, the draw with Manchester City this weekend. They also drew Tottenham, although Tottenham, uh, we quickly learned, were clearly not at their best um, under the uh, kind of dregs of the Pochettino era. But, you know, they picked up some pretty nice results. They have some talented players. Um, Sam Maximin has been kind of what you expect. Um, mercurial. Um, I, But I have been very, very pleased uh, to see... Mm, his name's escaping me right now. Left back, Dutch. They wanted to sign him like three different Jetro times. Williams. Thank you. Uh, he's been doing very well. Kind of fitting your mantra today. Of very good at getting forward. He's, he's decent getting back. Um, but he's obviously yeah. been contributing more in, in the kind of forward third than the defensive one. But they're playing defensively, so he isn't uh, you know, needed as much at the back. That's proven to be a very good signing. Drellington, kind of like we predicted, yeah, that was a lot of money for him. For somebody that hasn't scored oodles of goals anywhere he's ever been. That's probably still an issue for the squad. Maybe eventually St. Maximin ends up playing up front for them and giving them kind of a really quick counterattack. Miguel Almiron just continues to not find his footing, which is a little concerning for him. Newcastle and the prospects of any MLS players that thought that that might open the door to England for them. Uh, But on the whole, Steve Bruce has been doing fine. He's doing what you thought he would do, and so I don't see a reason to sack him for that. No, I don't think he's in danger at this moment in time. Um... But I think he could very easily slip into the hottest of hot seats. That's why I wanted him included on this. Newcastle are such a such a volatile club at the moment with you know the ownership and and how he tends to treat managers and how he reacts to different circumstances. That if Newcastle were in a position where they might go down he would immediately sack the manager and get someone in to try and save them. We've seen it, seen him do it in the past. Um, on the plus side, if they, if they change the manager and then still go down, he does give that manager time to bring them back up. He did it with Hewton, he did it with Rafa. Um, Bruce was never the right fit there, but he is doing the best he, he possibly can. I don't think it's as bad a squad as, as some people think it is. I think there's, there is talent there. Um, but again, it's, it's a lot of the same type of player. I mean, you look at key Shelby and Sean Longstaff and they're all the same player. They all do the same thing. Um, it's just that, you know, one of them came through the Academy. One of them, they bought from Swansea for quite a bit of money. And the other one, I think they got on a free, didn't they? And they get one a free. Also from Swansea, uh, Federico but, Fernandez. Yeah. Um, oh, you key. know, it's just key. Yeah, I mean, it's just to me they, they're just a couple of pieces short. Um, I, I do think the bones of something good is there. I like the keeper. I like you say the fullbacks are doing well. Um, Lescott is good, and, and Shar is good. I think they could do with a third centre back. They've got decent quality players in midfield. I just yeah, think what it's about a lot the long staffs out of nowhere. He, yeah, I mean, both long staffs look very, very good, and they were great. Both of them were great against United in that game, but obviously one is very young, and the other one's had a couple of injuries and a couple of suspensions. But I think, I think the long term future there with those two is good. Um, Almiron, he's not getting the goals, but I, it's not that he's not playing well. It's, he's not. It's not that he's not contributing. I just don't think he's having the impact that they thought he would have in terms of goals and assists. And but, needed. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, they need someone to start scoring goals. Um, 
Saint Maximum. He, he was he was always a gamble. Um, he's he's just wildly inconsistent. But if you can harness him and, and he does turn in good performances, he, he's obviously a very good player. Jolington's just he's not going to get you the goals. You need to put someone up alongside him. He needs a partner. I think that should be their primary goal in January is to go and find somebody who can play with him up front, who can make the most of the knockdowns, the the hold-up play, the link play, the stuff we're seeing from Jolington that is very, very good, very, very high level. The problem is that when he's winning those balls and he's holding it up and he's, he's looking for layoffs, he's only really got two guys rush, rushing to support him in St. Maximum and, and uh, Almiron, and they're having to come from 30, 40, 50 yards behind him because Bruce Bruce is setting this team up uber defensively. Um, yeah, I, I think you, you find someone who can play up front with him, you tweak the style ever so slightly just to make yourself a little bit more of a threat going forward. I mean, 13 goals in a season is, 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 is not good enough. I mean, it's no surprise that of the three teams who scored the least goals, one are Watford, who are, you know, dreadful and, and about to be on their third manager. And the other two are, married, are managed by Steve Bruce and the Hodge, <laughs> the, la- the last remaining dinosaurs from, uh, you know, a, a well-lost era. era. <laughs> yeah, and a, a thankfully bygone era. Um, but look, Newcastle are going to have a limit on what they can do until new ownership comes in because they had a very, very good manager up, up until the summer. And even he could only get them so high up the table. There's going to be a limit on their ambition and what they're capable of until new ownership comes in and there's more backing. But like, there is there's the makings of something there. But Benita's definitely left behind um, something for somebody to build upon. Bruce is sustaining that, and that's a credit to him. He, you know, it's not like things are a catastrophe. He, the style of play isn't a million miles from how Benita set the team up. Um, you know, the, the shape might be a little bit different, but the fundamental principles are, are similar enough. It, it's just a matter of finding one or two players in January, even loans, players who you know maybe are on the outs at their current clubs, but can come in and, and just provide a spark, provide provide goals. Um, and, and Newcastle will be more than comfortable. So I don't think Bruce is the long term uh, solution there, and I think. I think he'll get them to the summer, and then I think he will be gone. Um, it may be that new owners come in, and at that point, you know, he'll, he'll get them to summer and be gone. But I think they need to hit the reset button, and I think they could go with a younger manager, someone who might be able to build something there, develop young players. There's a, there's a good academy at Newcastle, and Newcastle's always been a hotbed for developing players. Um, and with with Sunderland and Middlesbrough lagging behind. Um, they're they're in a position now to go and, and get the best young players from their region, bring them into their academy and develop them that way. So the future's not all grey for Newcastle as some people try to make it out, but just for the moment, um, things will be stodgy. Yeah, they probably should have hired a better manager in the summer, but they left it late at themselves. And, you know, they're they're getting what they get, what they deserve, but they probably aren't gonna go down. Uh, with Steve Bruce, at least that's not how it looks for now. Uh, and then we will wrap up with Southampton. Uh, last year, we uh, spoke about Southampton a fair bit because we had a pretty reliable guest on from them, and we would frequently talk about um, Hasenhutl and how even though the windows weren't good, the fact that they got their manager, 
was a huge get. Obviously, did the business in Germany before coming over. Mm. Not a super talented squad last year. Somehow managed to keep them up. You move into this season, you think things are going to get better. They have not. But I'm still laying this at the feet of the squad. Neither of us rated their summer particularly highly. Mm. Yes, he hasn't looked fantastic. Sometimes some of the chop and changing maybe isn't working out. But you loaned out players that are better than the ones that you're actually playing right now. Um, so on the whole, I, I if he was going to get sacked, let's be honest. It was going to be after the Leicester match. So he's probably yeah. not going anywhere anytime soon. I think they know that they have their man, but maybe not their squad We'll just kind of see how that goes. For me, I think he's safe. I mean, the weaknesses is they're purchasing. Both who they've actually purchased and their purchasing power, neither seem to be what they were. I mean, you mentioned Newcastle being a hotbed of young talent. Southampton were that for years, and it just yeah, doesn't seem to be sure. turning out the way it used to. Um, so I think that's definitely an issue. If you don't have the players coming up and you aren't buying right, I mean, it's a pretty quick way to get relegated. But I think he's doing his best. And, uh, you know, I don't watch them every week. I'm not going to try to claim to be a Southampton uh, expert by any stretch but just knowing his resume seeing him a lot last season and then some this season I really don't think he's the problem at Southampton no neither do I and I, I think like you say if he was going to be sacked it would have been after that game against Leicester um, I think he is the right man for that club I think I think the most important thing for them to do now is is to find the right director of football and put him in place and hope that in January you can bring in one or two to add to what's there. I think they've got, you know, I, I think they've got an okay squad. I think it's just a matter of trimming the fat, getting rid of some of the players that you spent a lot of money on that haven't worked out. Um, the the players that Les Reed lost his jobs because of his job because of the players that were bought. That meant that when Ross Wilson said he was going to Rangers, you weren't necessarily devastated about it. And I think Wilson's very good at what he does. I just think he was limited by by Reed and then by financial constraints in the last two windows. Um, I, I think there's the bones of something good there. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of players at that club that I like. Um, you know, from from Che Adams up front, I, I like Buffal. I think uh, Jennipo's very very good. I, I've been a big fan of Hoiberg for years. I like Ward Prowse. Bednarak's a good player. I think Angus Gunn is better than we've seen this year. Um, Cedric is a good right back. Um, Bertrand is Bertrand, but you know whatever. Um, I don't know why they sold Matt Target in the summer. They should have kept him and sold Bertrand. For sure. Um, but but there's enough there to work with. And I, I I watched the game against Watford, and I really enjoyed watching Southampton play. You know, I, I thought. They showed urgency. They showed fight. They showed that there is talent in the squad. I, I, you know, I mean, even the likes of Ings and Redmond. I mean, these are these are solid players. You know, I, I think you'd be better off if both of them are coming off the bench for you. But I mean, they're solid enough players who can do jobs for you. And I don't think it'll take a whole lot for them to to really bounce out of where they are. I mean, look, if if they were to win their next game. There's the possibility that they could jump to, to 17th and, and jump Everton. And then if they go and win the one after that, you know, they could be 14th, 13th. You know, it doesn't take much to, to get you away up the league. Like I said with you guys earlier on, from 14th to 5th in two games, 14th to 5th. You know, you look at Newcastle, they're, they're 14th in the league. And while that may not sound hugely impressive, they're above Villa and above Brighton the managers of both of whom have just received massive new contracts and are being lauded. So, you know, it doesn't take much to 
to jump your way up. The, Southampton only sit three points behind Villa and three points behind Brighton. So it's not a massive gulf that they can't overcome. They have the players. If you look at the squads from, I would say, from 11th down, with the exception of Everton, you could argue Southampton have the best squad. And you could argue that with the exception of Bournemouth, and maybe not even them, they might have the best manager. So, you know, it, it, it's definitely something that can be turned around. I think I think they've got the right man. I think he was a really clever appointment for them. Um, I think they just need to stick with it. I think too many clubs just try so hard to get the right man in. If it doesn't go straight, go perfectly straight away, they glitch and they, they get rid and then they end up regretting it because they get the wrong man in to follow him. I think they have the right man. In the same way that I think Watford had the right man in Marco Silva, because of what happened with the whole Everton thing, they got rid of him because the form went. Whereas I don't think any of the managers who've replaced him have been as good, and it certainly hasn't worked for him at, at Everton. But I think if he'd stayed at Watford, I think he could have done a lot better there. Um, yes, at Hampton, for me, stick with who you have. I think I think Ralph will turn it round. I think the players are... Are, are are buying into what he's what he's selling, and I thought against Watford, I saw plenty of fight from players who who seem to really care. Yeah, it is worth noting because you mentioned they played Watford, who are on this list, and they played a lot of the player the teams that are on this list with not great results. Lost yeah. to Everton, drew Arsenal, lost to Tottenham, who only had ten men, which isn't great. No, neither of us are saying that things are great. We're just no. saying that Hasenhutel isn't the issue, and you you should stick with him. If they went down somehow. If nothing turns around, do you still stick with Hasenhutl in the championship and see if he can turn things around there? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you'd have to give him a bit more free reign in terms of what he's allowed to do with the squad. Um, there was a couple of players that he made clear early on that he didn't want. They were sent on loan. They're now back. Now, he is using them because he has to, because he has to try something different. But he wanted them gone in the summer and, it, you know, Southampton maybe weren't prepared to take the loss or couldn't find buyers or whatever. But I think you need to find a way. I think that's where the new director of football comes in, someone who can really come in um, as a, a transfer guru maybe and just and, and get work done. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, you kind of alluded to it earlier. It just feels like there's going to be a lot of financial changes on the full show. One of the topics is if the kind of ever-increasing financial rewards, obligations, etc., are leading to a more frequent sacking of managers. Do you think that's the case? Oh, absolutely. It absolutely is the case. There's, there's such a gulf between the Premier League and the Championship in terms of finance that teams are terrified of going down. Even with the the parachute payments. Um, we're seeing a lot of teams make rash decisions, um, and it doesn't it doesn't always work out. Sometimes it does, and, and you end up with the right man, and, and you know they can turn things around. But sometimes you know you end up with Mark Hughes, and um, <laughs> you know, and, and not to disparage him, but you look at Southampton last year, and they they made a decision to sack or the year before they made a decision to sack the manager, they bring Hughes in, he doesn't do a good job, and then they've got to sack him as well. So, you know, 
I do. I, I think it's and there's there's levels of course to it because you know clubs that that operate at the top end, it's the difference between normal Premier League money versus Premier League and Champions League money. Um, then it's you know further down it's it's Premier League money versus Champions League money. So you know you've got you've got the three different tiers. You've got your I suppose your top six, your big six, then you've got the teams in the middle that are just going to be in the middle, and that's they know that, so they're basically fighting for seventh. And they'll sack a manager if, if they're not in the run for seventh and maybe can't get that Europa League spot or don't get the cup runs. Um, and then it's it's the teams at the bottom who are going to be battling rele- relegation. And One thing I'm, I'm really pleased to see, though, is, is the development of more homegrown coaches. I think mm. Jones... Potter and Wilder, they're a breath of, fre- breath of fresh air. Um, to go with with Dyche, to go with Eddie Howe, um, you know, I'd include Brendan Rogers in that as well. He's obviously from from Northern Ireland, but you know, he learned his trade in in, in England. So I think it's good to see um, young homegrown managers doing so well, all playing well, with the exception of Dyche, all playing very progressive football, all been very tactically innovative um, and, and that's something that I think has long been needed in English football I think that's where English football fell behind was that there wasn't enough tactical in- innovation but you know when the likes of Wenger and other managers came in into the league from abroad they brought that with them it's taken these English managers a long time to sort of adapt to it and the, and the ones who did early on like Rogers, like Eddie Howe they couldn't get the big jobs, still not really getting the big jobs. I know Rodgers was at Liverpool and it's been at Celtic, but Liverpool were mid-table when he took over and Celtic is in Scotland where you know nobody really wants to go unless they're being punished. Um, I, I think we'll see, we might just be on the cusp of seeing one of the big clubs finally open up and, and go for an, a, you know, a homegrown manager. That's, like I say, I, th- I think we could see Brendan Rodgers end up in in one of those top jobs, Arsenal or United, um, you know, it could be Eddie Howe might get a call. Yeah, I thought might, that's might where we were going to Might uh, finally be time that his, his work at, at at Bournemouth gets recognised and we see what he can really do um, with, with a bigger budget, with more resources, but also with more pressure and more expectation. Yeah, all excellent points, and it does look like there's a bright future indeed for managers in England, which is good news because a lot of them are about to lose their jobs, as we discussed today. But Dave, an absolute pleasure as always. Tell the folks where they can find you. Um, so I've been suspended from Twitter, um, so I'm no longer available on Twitter. Um, but you can find me on Anfield Index, AnfieldIndex.com, Anfield Index Pro, or the Anfield Index Discord channel. Um, that's basically where I spend my, my free time. Um, so, you know, if you fancy a chat about anything at all, do come along. Yeah, go on then. And RIP to the to the Twitters. Hopefully you get reinstated soon. Hashtag free Dave. Uh, an absolute pleasure speaking with you as always. And uh, I'm sure we'll speak soon. Always a pleasure, Kev. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.